0: It's Terrible Tuesday. That's terrible. Things gone wrong in the sporting world. That's a terrible idea. I want to know what the hell he's smoking. Something stinks in here. That's terrible. (laughs) It's Terrible Tuesday. Things gone wrong in the sporting world. Well, there will be no World Series with the L.A. Dodgers no-league championship series with the L.A. Dodgers. Why? That's because the Dodgers lost to the San Diego Padres in the divisional round. So, yes, they actually thought it was going to be a no-brainer for the Dodgers. After all, they defeated the Padres on, what, 15-19 uh, and 19 during the course of the regular season. They thought it was just a bypass, just an afterthought. Like I said, hammered them during the course of the regular season. The Dodgers in the regular season with 111 wins. The fourth most victories in the history of Major League Baseball during the course of one regular season. And what happens? They lose in four games. They lose both games in San Diego over the weekend. And the Padres defeat the Dodgers, upset the Dodgers. So how is this sitting with people in Dodgerland? Humiliation. Embarrassment, And it should, and it is, and you cannot dismiss this story here because this is a big deal. Everybody had pegged the Dodgers to go to the World Series, especially considering who else was in the National League. The Padres, the Phillies, the Cardinals, the Mets. Then there were the Braves. Now remember, the Braves came out of nowhere last year to go to the World Series and defeat Houston and win the World Series. But as we know, in any sport, it is just nearly impossible to go back-to-back. But the Braves look like, okay, they may do it. They get eliminated by the Red Hot Phillies, who barely crawled into the playoffs as the number 6 seed. And then you got the Padres, the number 5 seed, who beats the Dodgers. The 111 win Dodgers. So yes, not to advance and lose to San Diego, your little brother, a 100 miles down the road in Southern California, your little stepsister, a team that finished 60 games above 500 the Dodgers at 111 and 51, and 22 games ahead of your little brother? Yes. And what happens to you? Your postseason lasts a total of four nights. Four nights, and you're done. Now, do you want to blame Major League Baseball? Because that's what it sounds like the Dodgers are doing, saying, well, we had to rest. We had to sit there and wait five or six days. Didn't affect the Houston Astros, did it? Sweep. Get the broom out. Get Seattle Mariners. So, yeah, you got to be prepared. You have to have depth. you got to know what you're doing, which brings us to the – worst part about this the terrible part of terrible tuesday dave roberts oh yes i've ragged on dave roberts quite a bit and we'll continue to do so dave roberts mismanaged his team once again the pitching decisions the moronic pitching decisions what to do with your starters what to do with your relievers who's going to be your closer who is not your closer anymore all of this came to the forefront In game number four, when he decided to start Tyler Anderson, Las Vegas native who has had a fantastic year. Such a fantastic year. He won 15 games. He's got an elimination game, and he's going with Tyler Anderson, who is an all-star pitcher, by the way, this year. So you start your all-star pitcher. Tyler Anderson goes out there and starts mowing down Padres, goes five innings, gives up no runs, only two hits, and strikes out six. Strikes out six. Of the 15 outs he got, he struck out six of them. What happens come the sixth? Hook lifted him. The Dodgers leading 2 nothing, and you lift him for what and for who? Chris Martin. No relation, by the way. All right? Are we sure? D- Are we sure? Yeah, we're sure. Okay. No relation. All right? Tommy Canabel, Yency Almonte, Alex Vasilla? And Evan Phillips. That's who you go with in an elimination game. And you get rid of your starter. Who, by the way, is your starter for a reason. Because he can go more than five innings. It kills me. Clayton Kershaw. Is your arm going to fall off five innings? Julio Urias. Five innings. Dave Roberts. We should just call him five innings Dave. Yes, he blew this series. He's blown this season. And especially in an ultra weak NL West, the Colorado Rockies, the San Francisco Giants, and the Padres are not that good. My goodness, they're a fifth seed. You're leading three to nothing in the seventh inning, and you bring in those Hammond Agers. Three pitchers give up five runs in one inning, game set, match, it's over. Three pitchers it took for the Dodgers to get three outs. And that's hard to do in this day and age because, as you know, you can't just pull a guy after a pitch. you got to let him face three hitters, right? So it's pretty hard to do when each pitcher has to throw to at least three batters. It took you three pitchers to get three outs. Give up five runs. That's it. It's over. You're eliminated. Over the top rope. Done. One, two, three. Ring the bell. Where's the Madison Square Garden bell? I love that bell. Not the Arco Arena Bell. In Sacramento, you sound like this. Like this. Here it is. That was the Arco Arena Bell. (laughs) So Dave Roberts, blowing it again. Biggest disappointment in Dodgers history, yes. Embarrassment, yes. Clueless, yes. No excuse for losing this series this way. No excuse. None. In the ever-changing culture of hiring and firing, which is the norm as we know, why is Dave Roberts still there? And it's funny because there were rumblings yesterday, briefly, like, oh, uh, well, the Dodgers made an announcement that Dave Roberts will retain his job. Well, that should be on the table because this is what we we see. And this isn't the first time. The Dodgers were gifted a World Series in 2020, right? 60-game season, pandemic shortened, that's it. But other opportunities they had, they failed miserably when clearly they had the best roster, they had the best pitching, the best offense, and the highest payroll. Yes, they choked again because you have a manager that is totally clueless. And again, we talk about it time and time again because this is the norm with the Dodgers regime with Dave Roberts in charge. Regular season records don't mean a thing. It's the eye test. And the eye test tells you this guy can't manage. Doesn't matter how many regular seasons wins you get. You have Mookie Betts, Trey Turner, Freddie Freeman at the top of your lineup. Guys like Justin Turner, Max Muncie. You're loaded. Corey Bellinger, who used to hit in the top half of your lineup, is hitting ninth. Because he's having a down year. But still capable. Rock solid disappointment for the Dodgers because you have a clueless manager. He manages for the future. He manages for the next game. He manages for the next series. I'm going to save my arms. And then let's get into the bullpen. Who's your closer? Got rid of Kenley Jansen. So who's your closer? Craig Kimbrell? Mr. Miyagi? And then you say, you know what, towards the end of the season? now you're not a closer anymore. Get out of here. What? Dodgers deserve all of this. The Dodgers could be great. They could have a dynasty if they had the right manager. If they had an experienced manager, it definitely is not Dave Roberts. You manage for the future, you're not playing in the postseason. The future is over, and it's done for the team that had the fourth most wins in the history of Major League Baseball. Ladies and gentlemen, that brings us to our next Hammerager, Aaron Boone. Not Herman Boone, for remember the Titans. Denzel was fantastic, wasn't he? It's Herman Boone, Aaron Boone. Oh, how quickly the narrative has changed in New York. Yeah, they're going to probably win today, but still, best record of the All-Star break and then what happens? Well, after the All-Star break, the warts really start to show, don't they, huh? I really hate that term. I don't know why I used it, but then it's true. Because you're seeing the Yankees are not the same Yankees. The losses started piling up after the All-Star break. Injuries happen, And then, of course, the pitching. Yes, Aaron Boone has cost his team, and will again cost his team, just like Dave Roberts cost his, just like Scott Service cost his, even though they were going to lose anyway. But mismanaging your pitching staff. That cannot go unnoticed, especially for... Fandemonium, like you have with the Dodgers and the Yankees, and those two franchises, Aaron Boone will cost you again with these bonehead managerial moves. You've you've seen him with a oldest as Chapman, pay him a ton of money. Let's bring him back. Let's make him our closer. He falters. All right, Michael King got injured. It's too bad because that guy was phenomenal. And then you bring in Clay Holmes, Clay Hamannager Holmes. This guy did nothing in Pittsburgh, and you're gonna make him your closer. Terrible, awful, atrocious. And then Chapman, they move him down to the setup guy. He can't get the job done. So what's the role does Chapman do? He takes some time off to go get a tattoo. Get a tattoo. How good has he been since the tattoo parlor incident? Nothing. Takes time off to go get a tattoo. Now Aaron Boone says, get out of here. See you later. Gone. Yankees' bullpen is a mess. Starting pitching is pretty much a mess as well, too. Do I expect them to beat the Astros? Of course I don't. Could they if Aaron Judge goes nuts and Giancarlo Stanton finds a stroke and Anthony Rizzo, you know, goes back to 2016 post, uh, you know, Cubs magic? Maybe. But it won't be because of the pitching. So, yes, Aaron Boone, Dave Roberts, definitely our ham and egg sandwich on a Tuesday. Question for you. Yes. So, Chapman. Yes. He's playoff gone or just that series gone? Can they bring him back for Houston? Yeah. Every series you can set your playoff roster. Okay. He can. I, I hope they do. I welcome him back. I mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You, uh, pitching in Minute Maid Park for Roldis Chapman. Oh, beautiful. Yeah. But, yeah, they can. Yeah, okay, That's it. And we saw the uh, Philadelphia Phillies make the move, bring Dave Ro- uh, David Robertson back uh, to bolster their bullpen. This is kind of a shambles, too. Speaking of that, the NLCS, Philadelphia and San Diego, the two lowest-seeded teams meet with a chance to go to the World Series. Two teams that underperformed all season long until rallying late in the season. They each had to win two road series. Remember the, the wild-card goofiness? where none of them had home games, but they won despite that. And then San Diego now has home field advantage because they had 89 wins, the Phillies had 87, and if you go back to the final month of the season, it looked like neither one of these teams were going to make the playoffs. And you look at Philadelphia was actually ahead of the Padres. Padres looked like they were done. But what happened? Last 29 games, San Diego won 11 of 19. Phillies, in their last 27 games of the regular season, won only seven, seven of 20. And what happened? Final weekend of the season, the Padres bypassed the Phillies, and now it comes back to haunt Philly as San Diego will now host. It's the five seed against the six seed, and that series starts tonight. So no Dodgers, no Braves. So my question is, how many people really want to watch the Phillies and the Padres? How many people really want to see this? What what are the hot-button topics? Or what's the must-see TV here? Okay. Bryce Harper versus Manny Machado. Now, why do we look at, the, at both these names? Because going back three years ago, that was what the free agent... Race was, remember, in the winter? It was a couple of years ago, remember that? Where it was like, who's going to get the more money? Is it going to be Harper? Is it going to be Machado? And then owners started saying, well, we really don't want to, you know, hand over the farm or the bank to, to either one of these guys. But they did. Then you had the Tatis Jr. situation, which was real ugly. Embarrassment for San Diego. Machado is not a guy you like to root for. And Bryce Harper, is, even though he's from Vegas, people really don't care for Bryce Harper. So you don't really don't have... A a national presence here. You don't have two big national fan bases. you got two local fan bases. And the Padre fan base is very, very small. And the Phillies, yeah, you go back. Remember, this is the first time they've been in the playoffs for 11 seasons, back to 2011. Passionate fan base. Very passionate, but it's not national. I mean, they're going to pack Philly just like they did in the last round against Atlanta, and those crowds are going to be awesome. But is it must-see TV? I'm predicting the ratings are not going to be very good for this series. I'm thinking not. As well, because this series will be insane. Yes, this will take it all, and it will get prime time. The Yankees and the Astros are going to get the prime time viewing. So you're going to get a lot of afternoon games when they play both on the same day. And who knows what's going to happen when you know you're Houston? You're fine because you got great weather. You got the roof, no problem. But you're going to have more rain delays and maybe lost games when you go to New York. We see it every year. So, and that's another thing that, that that makes me sick. But yes. We'll have to see who is going to be watching the National League Championship Series. <laughs> All right. Since we're uh, ranting on coaches, let's take a shot at some football coaches. How about that? It's pretty easy. This might surprise you. Nick Saban. Nick Saban. Alabama loses to Tennessee 52-49. to How much of this blame is on Nick Saban? Quite a bit. Game is tied at 49. Final minute. And Alabama is in control of this game, and they're ready to win the game. That's right. The game is tied at 49. Bryce Young, your Heisman Trophy winning quarterback, having a fantastic day just shredding the Tennessee defense up and down the field there in Knoxville. He's calm. He's cool. He's collected. He's driving his team down for the game-winning score. Undefeated Alabama looks like it will continue. They're not going to cover the spread, but they're going to win this game. They take over at their own 20 in the final drive with a couple of minutes to go. Game's tied. They're moving the ball downfield. They get down to the 32 yard line. All right. First down, first down, get down to the 32 with plenty of time. Right about a minute, a little over a minute to go. What do we have? Incomplete pass. Incomplete pass. Incomplete pass. First down, second down, third down, incomplete passes. You settle for a 50-yard field goal on the road. What happens? You miss the field goal. Now, Tennessee gets the ball back in great field position. Tennessee has 21 seconds on the clock. You have an 18-yard completion for a first down. Stops the clock, move the chains. 27-yard completion. Clock looks like it runs out. They put one second back on the clock. Enough time to get the field goal kicker out there for Tennessee. It's down. It's up. It's good. Game over. Upset. And We played the clip on yesterday's show. Uh, Pandemonium there in Knoxville. Checkerboard scored. Checkerboard square time. You're Nick Saban. You get the blame for this. You have a dynamic running game. And you are shredding the Tennessee defense from a running game perspective as well as passing. Mix in the run. You're killing the clock. You don't want to give Tennessee the ball back. Especially this new revised Josh Heupel, Tennessee offense that shredded your defense, Nick Saban. So you want to massage the clock, run some some clock, some time down, and run the ball, and you'll probably get five, six, seven yards to carry, and you're not going to end up with three incomplete passes, and you're not going to end up with a 50-yard field goal. Maybe a 40-yard field goal. Heaven forbid, maybe a 29 or a 33-yard field goal. And then you don't, most importantly, give Tennessee the chance to get the ball back. That's the deal with that. And then, defensively? Defensively, you're supposed to be the defensive guru? And you give up 45 yards in 21 seconds in two plays? No. Alabama gets blamed for this. Nick Saban gets blamed for this. It's the play calling. It was atrocious. That's not Alabama football. But... Since they do still control their own destiny and they can run the table, we could see Alabama back in the playoffs and maybe the championship game. (laughs) All right. Monday night football. How about last night's game? Jeez. Starting to really look like Thursday night football, isn't it? Last night you had the Chargers and Denver. You had Russell Wilson versus Justin Herbert. Herbert throws 57 passes without a touchdown, and they get a win. The only time they led, at the end of the game in overtime, 1960. That was it. Battle of field goals. Oh, I guess that's what we're used to with Denver, right? Denver averaged 15 points per game, dead last in the NFL. Seven field goals in this game last night. Seven. Neither team cracked 300 yards in offense. Are you kidding me? 11 punts. This is what we saw last night, a typical AFC West low-life battle of these two teams. Now, I talk about Thursday Night Football, how dreadful it is, right? Let's go back to what our eyes saw last Thursday night. Washington beat Chicago 12-7. Four field goals. One touchdown in that game. Thank goodness I wasn't watching this game. I was at the Golden Knights home opener. You mean you missed the Bears' jerseys? Yes, I did. Oh, God. What, did they bring out the orange again? Orange with orange helmet. No, it was. The, oh, I'm sorry, I forgot. It was, it was color. A color rush. We didn't talk about it on Thursday. Thank God I didn't see it. I don't want to see it. I was, I, I was putting up with a Golden Knights gold jerseys. No, no, you got to see this. All right, jeez. But yes, this is what we have on Thursday night football. Now it's Monday night football, right? Yes, garbage football. Oh, by the way, guess what you get to look forward to this Thursday? Well, I won't. I'll be in Houston watch a game two, and I advise you to watch game two. As well, too, of the ALCS, Arizona and the Saints in Arizona. You want that? That's garbage. That Bears uniform is garbage too. At least they didn't go. Right? With, at least they didn't go with the orange pants. That's so it's not the true color rush there. But yes, yes. But this is why one of the reasons why the NFL product is so bad. But I've got a bigger reason why the NFL product is so bad. It's these bad matchups. But even if you have bad matchups, you don't need to get bad play. It's one simple reason, folks. It's so easy. You have bad football in the NFL because teams don't practice. Nobody wants to talk about this. These are the facts. You know what NFL practices are these days during the course of the regular season? It's stretching, drills, some situations, seven on seven, without pads and without contact. It is turned into sloppy play and more injuries because they don't practice, and they don't practice right. This is unlike any other sport. Think about this. Any other sport. In baseball, do you have practices like you play in the game? The answer is yes. How about basketball? You're playing five on five. You're scrimmaging, right? No one's taking it easy. Oh, yeah. Just ask Jordan Poole, Draymond Green. No one's taking it easy. By the way, opening night NBA... All right? No, but in football, no one touches anybody. There's no contact, and this is to prevent injury? It actually is increasing injuries because these guys are not in shape, and we've seen it with the quarterbacks sitting out, the skill position players sitting out during the course of the preseason. It's worse than ever, but unlike any other sport, soccer's another one. You go hard, you scrimmage hard. Football is different. Oh, let's save our bodies. Let's our mindset is to go all out on Sunday, go all out on game day, even though we don't prepare that way. We don't prepare our mind, body, and soul for that. No. What we do is in during training camp, we take our time. We don't get hurt. But you know, we want to smash each other on game days. That but that we don't do that in practice. How are you preparing yourself the right way? This is why the NFL product is slowly but surely deteriorating. If you don't think it's deteriorating, just watch the games. Watch the scores. Everybody wants offense. You're not getting any of that anymore. Now, it can be good. On occasions, Buffalo can say that was good. Two veteran teams. They get it. But for the most part, young quarterbacks, they don't know what they're doing. The consistency and the quality of play is not there. Too many penalties. Too many turnovers. Drop passes. Bad tackling. Not enough scoring. This is a problem. And the NFL... Doesn't seem to care about it. They're concerned about what? The money. They're they're concerned about the revenue, not the quality of the game, not the coaching, not the officiating, and how about how many unqualified coaches there are coaching now, head coaches in the National Football League. NFL needs to do something about all of the above here, and it can be done. You are toying with the greatest sport Okay. Even better than baseball as far as our national pastime. People love the NFL. Got a lot of things right, but there's a lot of things wrong right now for all those things that I mentioned. Okay? Let the players play. Get rid of these fandom calls. The ridiculous pass interference call again that we saw last night on Russell Wilson. But you teams have got to practice in order to be good and to have that contact, that's what you got to do. You got to practice. Because practice makes perfect. All right. That's a terrible Tuesday. You got some terrible Tuesday takes? Hit me on Twitter at TCMartin21. We got baseball. We got NLCS Game 1. We'll talk about the AL as well, too. Get ready to go to Houston tomorrow. Buck Martinez joins us next.